the gospel has turned into something when people talk about it that makes you feel like you're not good enough. We gather in church and in Christianity and you hear pastors and quote spiritual people talking and you get the feeling that I'm not like that. I am imperfect. I'm inadequate. And and there's this kind of like tone of hush amongst us. Like, don't let them know what I'm struggling with because apparently the gospel means I'm supposed to be all good now. But that's not the case. The case is that we are imperfect people. And that's what we, between JC and I, want to talk about for the rest of the summer, is talking about the fact that we are imperfect people, and that is perfectly okay. And that is when we begin to open up, uh, Hannah talked about vulnerability downstairs. When we begin to open up and become vulnerable, we begin to connect, and we begin to find strength, and we begin to move in a direction that imperfection is supposed to take us toward. So that's kind of where all this is going. We're, we're, we're trying to bring honesty to the gospel, not this facade of Christians have it all together and everybody should join our way because then they will be all better off. I think that actually the gospel calls us to be real. I didn't earn my salvation. I wasn't worthy of it. I'm a cracked pot. I am crumbs. I am nothing And God is everything working on my behalf. Let's go to Proverbs 29, 25. Proverbs chapter 29. We're going to deal with the first one tonight. And that's this one. (laughs) Why we don't video record? (laughs) I ripped it. Oh, it was on the side. That's good. So tonight is authenticity. Um... (laughs) The reason, what is going on behind me is these are supposed to be presents. They're wrapped, and then they've got the word on them. Because what we're dealing with is these are ten gifts to the world. That we are to be giving to the world through who we are. And authenticity is one of those gifts. So that's the first one I'm going to deal with. Is being an authentic person. Um, Proverbs 29.25. Let's read The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. The fear of man is a snare, but whoever trusts the Lord is safe. God, I pray that as we go into your word here tonight, and we talk about authenticity, let your spirit come. And guide us in the way that makes us the people you've created us to be. Lord, I pray that Tree of Life would become a group of authentic people. That there would be no more pretending and fakeness, but that we would be bold enough to be exactly who you have made us to be. So challenge us tonight, Father. In your Son's name we pray. Amen. We were made for connection. The coming together of human beings, of connecting with one another, of understanding, of relying on people, of having friendship and fellowship and relationship. This is what we were made for. We were made to belong to something, to be part of something, to be accepted. 
And this is what all of us want, is it not? We all want to feel like we connect with something and someone, that we're part of it, that this is who I am, this is where I belong. Now, we all have that desire for connection, but (laughs) we don't all aim for connection in the same exact way. Some of us decide that in order for me to connect with others, I need to conform to what they want me to be. And then others of us go towards connection with being authentic and connecting with people that way. Now, these are two options, and I found in my life that I choose both sometimes, and it's not good. I want to choose the route of authenticity, but sometimes I find myself choosing the route of conformity. Why? Why would we want to conform rather than be real and authentic? It starts like this. Conformity is a lifestyle that is working for acceptance. You want to be accepted. You want to connect with people. So you begin to live a life and make decisions and choose how you're going to be in order to gain and earn that acceptance. Authenticity, on the other hand, is doing the opposite. It is working from acceptance. It realizes that I, who I am, can connect with people. And I'm going to move from that, from who I am, towards people. So like this, conformity. It starts with this insecurity. We'll call it shame. This feeling of I'm inadequate, I'm not enough. I will be worthy of connection and belonging when this happens to me. That's shame. We often start on this road of shame. And we want to get from shame to acceptance and belonging. So we go from shame and we say, I can't be accepted like this. So we move in a way that causes us to aim for fitting in with people. We look at what we want to be and who we want to be with and we say, this is how they are and I won't be worthy of being with them until I change myself. I I try to fit in. It's as if you're a square block trying to get into a round hole, right? (laughs) The only way to get that in there is to change the shape, to make that square block fit in with the round hole. And we look at ourselves and we think, I'm not like him, I'm not like her. I need to change. I need to fit in with this. So our shame teaches us to try to fit in, and once we fit in, then we're like, I'm accepted, because I'm just like them. But what has that done to you? You've completely betrayed who you are. You've sold your authenticity for acceptance. You're, not, you're being accepted not for who you are, but for the airs you're putting on. We're connecting with you. I think JC said this a couple weeks ago, uh, the bubble. We all go around and we're connecting with our bubbles, but we're not connecting with each other. See, authenticity goes the other way. It starts with, I'm accepted. I'm not trying to change to become accepted. I know that God loves me and he accepts me as I am. And so I'm working from that. And because I'm accepted, I'm not going to try to fit in. I'm going to try to be vulnerable. I'm going to allow people to see what's underneath I'm going to be open. I'm not going to hide and cover up. And what you learn is that people accept you when you're vulnerable. 
they don't get scared and say, I can't believe you. Those are people that judge. You don't want to be with them anyways. They realize that you too have problems. <laughs> and what happens is you're no longer moving into a group and you're fitting into their mold. You're belonging exactly as you are with these people who accept you exactly as you are. That is what authenticity should lead us to. So conformity. Let's summarize it like this. It's basically pretending. It's pretending to be who you think you should be. Other people want me to look like this. Or this is what they're thinking. That's the fear of man. As our proverb says, the fear of man is a snare. The fear of man is the concern with people's opinions, what they think about you, what they want you to look like. And conformity looks at those opinions and says, I will pretend that that is what I am. So I feel better about myself. I feel like I belong and I'm connected with people. Conformity, pretending, is not even being who you really are. And the proverb says that that lifestyle is a snare. You guys have seen the fox and the hound, right? The snare is that big metal trap in which, uh, I don't remember his name, I think his name's Chief or something, the hunter guy. He's shooting out foxes and he, he ends up stepping in his own snare and then the bear comes and tries to maul him and it's an exciting ending. But um, that snare is that, that, that steel trap that closes on his foot so he can't move. That is what happens when I try to conform and pretend that I am what other people want me to be. It imprisons my personality to their opinions. And it's limiting. You constantly find yourself thinking, what are they going to say? What are they going to think? And molding yourself in that direction. That is not free living. That is not how God has called us to live. That is prison. That is a snare. Are you subject to that? If you find yourself conforming to the opinions of others, you're probably living in the snare. If you find yourself compromising your values to be accepted, you are probably in the snare of conformity. And if you find it difficult to say no to people, always wanting to please them, you are in the snare of conformity. On the other side authenticity it's not pretending it's embracing it's embracing who I really am and letting go of who I think I should be and I say embracing because if you're like me you don't like exactly who you are you're like I would really like to be more like JC (laughs) or like Brittany and like you've got the people in your mind and you're like those are the people I want acceptance from. I want to please them. I want to look like them and be like them. And we have a hard time embracing who we really are. But authenticity is embracing. It's saying, I'm going to let go of those expectations of who I think I should be. I'm just going to embrace who the author has created me to be. That's what the proverb says. The fear of man, conformity, is a snare. It's prison. But whoever trusts the Lord is safe. The Lord is the author of the story of our lives. And you are a character in his story. Which means he looks at Jacob and says, This is my character. And I've given him his certain traits and his personalities and his weaknesses and struggles and strengths. I've made this character to play a certain role in my story. 
And the story goes swimmingly when the characters are being their characters. The story goes really... The author has no control and the characters begin to decide, I don't want to be the, the, that person. I don't want to be the fox. I want to be the hound. I don't want to be PETA. I want to be Gail. Thank you. <laughs> I don't want to be Edward. I want to be Jacob. I knew you guys would know, so I just threw it out there. You know, and that's not the point. It's to trust that the author knows what he's doing in the story and embrace your character. Know your role and be it. And be it good. So, here is what authenticity it is in a nutshell. It's the courage to be nobody but yourself when the entire world is trying everything it can do to make you everybody but yourself. It seems that the whole world is telling me to be everybody but who I am. And authenticity is the courage of standing up and saying, I'm not going to conform to that. I'm going to be nobody but myself. Psalm 139. You guys know that chapter you probably do once I say it. It says that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That God knew me when I was in my mother's womb and he formed me there. And then it goes on to say that God's thoughts to me are precious and they outnumber the sands of the sea. That gives me courage to be authentic, knowing that I'm accepted by God. And I can then be vulnerable with others and belong with others. So here's the good news. Christianity <laughs> aims for authenticity. Now, I know, I know that you know a lot of people who are not authentic. And you're thinking they're Christians and they're not authentic. Well, they're not embracing the gospel, okay? They're embracing a gospel of works and self-worth. We here are embracing a gospel that aims towards authenticity. It says that the Jesus we know, he is leading us to become more of our real selves, who we really are meant to be, who he's created us to be. It's a gospel that's teaching you to be okay with yourself and to live openly rather than this constant imprisonment of the fear of man. The gospel is not conforming you to some expectation and pressure and lifestyle. Do you hear that? Because I know what a lot of us think when we hear about the gospel. It tells us to die to ourselves and to do this and not do that. And we think, I don't want to conform to that. If that's your thought, you completely miss Jesus. He is not calling you out of yourself and saying, now, leave that behind and conform to this new pattern. He's never called you out of your true self. We hear the message all the time. Oh, die to yourself. Do the hard thing. Blah, blah, blah. And how sick I am of hearing that message without the story of the gospel supplementing that message. Yeah, die to yourself is true. Jesus said that. But he also is very clear that resurrection always follows death. That, my friends, is the gospel. It is not that Jesus died for your sins. It's that Jesus died for your sins and then lived again so that we can live with him. That is what the gospel is meant to do. Yes, you're going to die to yourself, but it's not to stay there. It's not to say, lose Andrew. Andrew's dead. He's gone. No more Andrew. He's this new, like, some moral, clean, sterile, Pharisee Christian kid. That's horrible. That's not, that is what Jesus condemned on earth. So so the gospel is not calling you and I to conform to something. It's doing the opposite. It's freeing you. 
It's calling you to uncover something that was already there. The Marky that God created, Jesus is not calling Marky to conform to something else. Jesus is calling Marky to open up and let the real Marky come out of the grave. The real Marky to resurrect. The Marky that God has always wanted to just be free and authentic. C.S. Lewis put it like this. This is from the last page of Mere Christianity. He says, The more we get what we now call ourselves out of the way and let God take us over, the more truly ourselves we become. Did you hear that? I read that again. The more we let what we now call ourselves out of the way and let God take over, the more truly ourselves we become. We have this image of who I'm supposed to be. And Lewis is saying, throw that out. Let God take over. And the more that we're surrendered to Christ, the more you will find your true self. That is what resurrection means for the Christian. Uh, Barring, you know, the future thing, we're all going to come back to life. That's going to happen too. But what resurrection means for you now is that there is someone from the ashes of your insecurity that the gospel is calling you out of that and saying, be free. I'm releasing you from the snare of the fear of man. You're not free to trust the Lord. So, authenticity is a gift. Who you are, made to be, is a gift to the world. And Christians, I feel like that one of the greater sins we can commit as Christians is to not let the gift that God made bless the world. Some of us have never opened the wrapping paper and let who God created come forth. We've wrapped ourselves with who we want to be, who we think we should be. And you're not letting God bless the world through you. Unwrap. Open up. If we understand the acceptance we have from God, we can stop pretending. We can now be vulnerable. Take off the fig leaves, if you will. And let the person that Christ is forming and resurrecting in us bring that to the rest of the world. I want to close with this story. Probably going to take five or ten minutes. There was once an emperor who lived in a faraway land. He ruled a magnificent empire, large, massive, and in his capital city where he lived, there was lots of traffic that came in and out. It was the hubbub of the world. People went there to investigate things and find out what are the latest trends and fashions and what is it cool to be like. And that it was like the Rome of the day, if you will, you know, back when Rome was the empire. This emperor had it all. Yet he cared for nothing but to find himself well clothed. That was his passion and obsession was fashion. He didn't really care so much for the sporting events or the theater. He didn't even really care about his army or his politics. 
he lived and breathed clothing, and he had a different outfit for every meal of the day. As you would say about some emperors, oh, he's in his chamber uh, discussing political affairs with his advisors. Not so this emperor. You'd hear, oh, he's in his dressing room trying on another outfit. Well, one day in this this busy metropolis, this empire, two con artists came by. Nobody, of course, knew that they were con artists, because then, of course, they wouldn't be con artists. And they came and posed themselves as weavers, people that take threads and construct, uh, assemble fashion and clothing out of it. And, of course, they knew what the emperor loves. So these con artists come and say, we're weavers, and we want to make for you the finest outfit you have ever put on, oh, high emperor. What's so cool about your garments? What can you offer me? They said, we have fabric that nobody else has. It is as light as a cobweb. In fact, when you put it on, it feels like you have nothing on. Perfect for the summer heat. It's the finest gold put in thread and weaved into the tapestry. And our yarn and our colors are brilliant. And and they can withstand anything. This will look brilliant for the rest of your life. The colors will not fade. The fabric will not tear. And it feels like nothing is on. It's pretty cool. What else can it do? One more thing. No other garment that exists in this world is like this one. See, this garment possesses magical qualities. The emperor is curious. He leans in. Whoever looks at the garment, the weavers go on to say, and is unworthy of their position in the kingdom will not see the garments at all. In other words, they're invisible to people who are foolish and unfit for their position. And the the emperor was like, whoa, I gotta have some clothes like this because then I will know who's unfit to work in my kingdom. I'll walk around, they'll laugh at me because they'll think I'm naked, but I'm really not because I'm wearing these magical clothes. And when they're laughing at me because I'm naked, I know that they're fools and they're unfit and unworthy for their positions and I can cut them off. He's like, this is the most awesome outfit an emperor can wear. I will be as wide as any. So he immediately pays these two con artist weavers into, uh, he gives them the money and they begin to make his outfit right then and there. They measure him, of course, and then they, they sit down. The emperor gives them a room and they set up in the room with their, with their uh, weaving wheels. You know, those, those, what are they called? Whatever. Sleeping Beauty, think like that. But, you know, things you touch. Yeah, uh, they set up the and they get their. Uh, they set up all that and and then uh, they take out <laughs> they take out the threads and the yarn to begin to make the outfit and they take nothing out at all and they put it on the weaver and there's nothing there at all. You see, because there's actually no thread, there's no yarn, there's no fabric whatsoever. It doesn't exist. They're con artists. And they have everybody believing that if you cannot see these clothes, you're a fool and unfit and unworthy. So they begin to pretend to make this outfit. And the emperor can't sleep. He is so excited for what this outfit's going to look like. So he sends his most trusted advisor to go look at the outfit, see how it's coming. So he calls his priest, says, priest, go check up on the uh, outfit. Let me know how it's looking. 
And so the priest goes into the room where they're weaving this outfit. And as he steps in, he says, oh, My God, I am not worthy of being priest. This cannot be. For as he looks at the weavers and what they're doing, he sees nothing at all. There is nothing there. He just sees them weaving something, but there's, there's no material, there's no fabric, there's no cloth. He's like, oh, I'm, I'm so unfit. And the weavers see him, and he's, he's, he's pale and white. I say, what do you think of it? And, and he has to pretend at this point, because he doesn't want to be seen as unworthy of being priest. And so he, he walks close and says, oh, wow, that's marvelous. I, I love it. It's beautiful. And the weavers go, yeah, you see the gold here? And look at the texture. And, you know, they're trying to describe to him. And he's listening interestedly because he has to say something to the emperor. He's thinking, oh, my gosh, I have to sound like I know what I'm seeing. And so he's listening intently. He goes back to the emperor like, oh, my gosh, you can't believe what they're making. You cannot believe this. You're, it's going to be so exciting. Well, couple days pass and they're still making it and the emperor's still excited and he says okay i gotta send somebody else to see how it's going so he calls his cupbearer and he says cupbearer go and tell me how the outfit's coming along and the cupbearer goes in and the same story he's shocked because he sees nothing he thinks no i can't lose my position i'm not unworthy everybody has to think that i'm worthy of being cupbearer so he looks at it and says yeah, you guys are doing a good job. This is amazing. Pretending that something is there when nothing is there at all as they continue to weave the thin air. And the cupbearer goes back and tells him, you've got to see this. It's amazing. It's exquisite. By now, the emperor can't wait. So he goes in with all of his advisors and servants, and they go into the room where the weavers are weaving absolutely nothing but thin air. And the emperor walks in, and he thinks, No! I'm unworthy to be emperor? No way, Jose. I am the emperor. Nobody can take my position. Nobody can know about this. And he, he walks up towards it gingerly, and he hears the priest saying, Look at it. It's amazing. And the cupbearer smiling. I can't wait to see this on you. And on all the attendants around the, the emperor are like, Yeah, it looks amazing too. And the emperor's thinking, Everybody sees this but me. I must pretend that I see it. And so he marvels and says, oh, wow. And then everybody says, hey, the parade tomorrow. You've got to wear this at the parade tomorrow and show it off to the whole kingdom. Because by now the newspapers have been publishing this magical suit. And everybody can't wait to see this famed outfit that the emperor is going to wear. And he's all nervous about it. He's like, well, it must really be there because everybody else sees it. And the weavers pick it up. It's all done. And they, they, they pick up thin air and they say see this is your these are your trousers this is your coat this is your cloak and everybody's clapping and marveling the emperor's like oh that's so beautiful and and then they say uh can you undress so that we can help you put it on and then the emperor undresses and they begin to put on the pants that aren't there and the coat and the cloak that aren't there and the emperor is and they're like remember it's as light as a cobweb that's the beauty of it feels like you have nothing on and the emperor looks in the mirror and sees nothing and everybody around is like "Ooh, you look so good oh turn around for us oh my gosh beautiful and then the emperor the uh the people that are leading the parade say the parade is ready let's go out and the emperor takes one last look in the mirror kind of gives himself like the <laughs> and the wink just so that everybody thinks he sees it and likes it and he goes out of the room 
and down into the streets of the city to begin the parade to show off the new outfit. And the two servants, of course, behind him that are supposed to carry the train, they, uh, they pick up air and pretend to be carrying the train because they don't want anybody to think that they can't see the outfit. And so there he goes down the parade and everybody in the streets are celebrating, saying, my, it's beautiful, it's wonderful. And nobody's willing to admit that nothing's there. So there's the emperor walking naked down the street. And everybody's celebrating. Until a child rushes to the front rows. I want to see what all the commotion is. And he goes, Daddy, he's wearing nothing at all. He's butt naked. <laughs> and the emperor hears this and thinks. <laughs> and then his, the dad of this kid who yells that out says, Oh my gosh, listen to the innocence of this child. The emperor has no clothes on. And then other people hear this and they begin to whisper to each other, maybe the emperor has no clothes on, maybe he has no clothes on. And then the emperor hears the murmur and he begins to think, maybe I have no clothes on. (laughs) And he's like, but I have to finish. I have to just man up and bear with it. And then... um, The the servants carrying the train hear all this too, and they're like, well, we're going to keep carrying the train that is not here because we don't want to look like fools. And that's how the story ends. And here's my question. Do we live in childlike freedom? Do we live unconcerned with what people think or what we're supposed to be or do? Are you pretending to go with the flow? Are you willing to be childlike? Jesus says this. Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven.